as I said earlier, I thought I'd like to um, <clears throat> share one of the um, chapters of the Sutta Nipata, this collection of teachings <clears throat> of the Buddha. Um, else coming? And before um, beginning, just to mention one thing that might strike you as a bit, I mean, there are many things that might strike you as a bit odd, but um, the reference to the 32 marks of the great man, this is a traditional um, idea. Um, and uh, the Buddha was supposed to have these 32 marks. And so at one point, um, there's a reference to this uh, so it's to do with like the, the the skin tone, the the way the hair grows, it's, uh, and uh, the proportions of the limbs, um, various um, features of of the um, uh, the way that the body is. Uh, so just so you know, that's what that is when we come to it. So it's um. It's a bit. It's a story, a kind of a, a, a story of um, certain things that happened, and then um, the Buddha's answer to various questions, um, and it's called the chapter of the way to the beyond. So I'll start off with a prologue that sort of sets the scene, and then I'll just read through the questions and the Buddha's answers. <clears throat> One day a man walked out of the beautiful city of Savati in Kosala. It was Bhavari, the Brahmin, one versed in the Vedic Vedic mantras. He had set out on the southern road in search of detachment. He travelled till he came to the land of the Asakas, and there, where it meets the Alakas land on the banks of the river Godavari, he stayed, living off fruit and whatever else he could gather. One day, begging in a rich village nearby, he was given such a quantity of gifts that he was able to hold a great offering ceremony. He had just finished the rituals and gone back to his hut when another Brahmin arrived at the door. He was thirsty, covered with dust, with stains on his teeth and swellings on his feet. He came up to the hermit and begged to be given five hundred pence worth of money. As soon as the hermit saw the visitor, he made him sit down. After he had asked after his health and happiness, he told the man he couldn't help. You see, Brahmin, I've given away everything I've been given. Please forgive me, but I haven't got five hundred pence. You have rejected the pleading of a beggar, said the visitor. May your head split into seven in seven days' time as a result of this refusal. And then, before he left... The rascal chanted spells and laid a formal curse on Bavari, to the Brahmin's great distress. In the days that followed, the Brahmin's pain increased. The sadness and grief were like darts in his side. He couldn't eat. He just wasted away. He couldn't even settle his mind in meditation. But a friendly goddess spirit saw him in his suffering and fear and so she came to his hut and talked to him. 
"'He was only an impostor, that man,' she said, "'trying to make easy money. "'Besides, he was ignorant. "'He knows nothing about the head "'and nothing about head-splitting.' <laughs> "'Goddess,' said the Brahmin, "'if he doesn't know, then who does?' If you understand about head-splitting, head then please tell me all about it. I have to understand it. No, said the spirit. I can't help you. I don't know a thing about it. The only people who can know about things like that are conquerors. Well then, goddess, said the Brahmin, you must tell me who in the world I can go to who'll know. And this is how the goddess replied. In the line of the great king Okaka, a boy has been born to the Sakyas. He has gone out of their capital, Kapilawatu. He has gone into the world as a leader and a light. This man, Brahmin, has total enlightenment. This man has total perfection. This man has the power of total knowledge, the eye of total vision. He has found the total ending. He has lost the basic grasping and is free. He is enlightenment. He is a Buddha. He is a lord, a master of blessings for the world. He has the eye of vision and he teaches the way things are. Go to him and ask your question. He will explain it all. When Bhavari heard that word, Sambodha, the name for total enlightenment, he was lifted to the heights of joy. As his sorrow quietened down, he felt immense delight take him over. The gladness and joy made him eager and deeply thrilled. Where, he asked the goddess, does this world guide live? Which village is he in? Which town? Which state? Let's go and honour this man, this ultimate being. The conqueror lives in Savati in Kosala, said the goddess. This Sakyan is a wealth of wisdom and a world of knowledge. He's unharnessed and undefiled. He has the strength of a hero, of a bull. He's the one to ask about head splitting. So Bhavari the Brahmin called his pupils together. All of them versed in Vedic mantras too. Come here, Brahmin students, he said. And listen to this. I have something to tell you. Something has happened. Something that really takes place in the world. A Sambuddha has arrived. Yes, a man has been born in the world who is now recognized as fully enlightened. Brahmins, you must go immediately to Savati to see this perfect being. But Brahmin, sir, said the students, how can we go if we don't know what enlightenment looks like? Tell us, sir, how to recognize it. The ancient teachings, said the Brahmin, listed each one of the 32 marks of greatness on a superman. When a person is born with these marks on his body, then we can say that one of two things will happen to him, that he has two choices open to him, and no more. He can choose the life of a layman, the home life. Then he will conquer the world, not by force, but by virtue. Or he can choose to leave his home, 
to live as a homeless wanderer. And then he will become a Sambuddha, a man of worth, a fully enlightened, incomparable one. Now, when you think you've found this man, you must ask questions in your mind about my age, my family, my body marks, my rituals and my pupils. And ask about head-splitting too. If he is the Buddha with perfect penetrating vision, then he will answer aloud the questions you've asked in your minds. As Bhavari talked, his Brahmin students listened. There were sixteen of them, all, all of them famous teachers in their own right, namely Ajita, Tissameteya, Punaka, Metagu, Dotaka, Upasiva, Nanda, Hemaka, Todeya, Kappa, Chattukani, the scholar, Badravuda, Udaya, Posala, Mogaraja, the learned, and the great teacher, Pingya, the wise. All of them were there. They were all well known as teachers, and as men who found their enjoyment in life through their meditation practice. They were men, it was said, who had not lost the scent of their previous good deeds. When Bhavari had finished his instructions to them, they carefully paid their respects and walked past him to his right. With their hide robes and their bladed plaits of hair, they set off towards the north. They travelled through the land of the Alakas, coming first to Patitana, then to Mahusati, Ujjaini, and Gunada. On they went to Vedisa and Vanasa, to Kozambi and Saketa, until they came to the greatest of all cities, Savati. From there they set out again, this time for the land of Magadha. They passed on their way through Satavia, Kapilavatu, and the town of Kushinara. They went on to Pava, to Boganagara, the city of wealth, and then to Vesali, where they came to the beautiful Pasanaka Chetia, the rock temple. They climbed up the mountain path with the zeal and the haste of a merchant drawn to wealth, or a thirsty man to cool water, or a man with sunstroke to shade. And there, with the order of monks gathered all around him, sat the Lord, the Blessed One. He was explaining the Dhamma to them. The lion was roaring in the jungle. Ajita saw the man of full enlightenment. It was like the sun shining without burning. It was like the moon, bright and full on a full moon day. He could see all the signs of greatness clearly marked on his body. Astonished and overjoyed, he stood respectfully to one side and silently thought his first question. Tell me, he asked in his mind, how old my teacher is. Tell me what his family name is. Tell me how many of the marks of greatness he has got and how well versed he is in the Vedic mantras and how many does he teach. He is a hundred and twenty years old, said the master aloud. His family name is Bavari. He has three of the body marks. 
He has complete knowledge of the three Vedas, and also of the commentaries, the rituals and the signs. He instructs five hundred, and he has reached the ultimate stage according to his teaching. Describe Bhavari's body marks, Master Man, Desire Kata, said Ajita silently, so that we have no room for doubt at all. These are his three body marks, young man, said the master. His tongue is large enough to cover his mouth. There is a tuft of hair growing between the eyebrows, and the foreskin completely covers the phallus. Everybody could hear the master talking to someone they could not see. Who was asking these questions they couldn't hear? Was it some god, they wondered? Was it Indra, Brahma or Sakha? Who was the master talking to? Astonished, they made the folded hand gesture in respect. Meanwhile, Ajita was asking another mental question. Bhavari asked about Head's master, he thought, and about how they're split. Please, great teacher, answer this question too. The head, said the master, is not understanding. The head is split in pieces and destroyed by understanding, with its army of powers in support, confidence, mindfulness, meditation, and determination, energy. These are the powers that split heads. With a thrill of exultation stiffening every pore of his body, the young Brahmin student bared his shoulder from his hide and got down to the ground at the feet of the master. Sir, he said with his head bowed, Lord, seer, Bhavari the Brahmin and all his followers are filled with joy and delight. We have come to offer you honour and reverence here at your feet. May Bhavari the Brahmin and all his followers be happy, said the master. May you too be happy, young man, and may your life be long. For Bhavari, for you and for all of your group, there are many different doubts and confusions. You now have the opportunity to ask about them. Ask now whatever you want to know. The man of full enlightenment had given Ajita permission. So the Brahmin student respectfully sat down, made the folded hand gesture and addressed his first question to the dust gone, the Tathagata. What is it, said Ajita, that smothers the world? What makes the world so hard to see? What would you say pollutes the world and what threatens it most? It is ignorance which smothers, said the master, and it is carelessness and greed which make the world invisible. The hunger of desire pollutes the world, and the great source of fear is the pain of suffering. In every direction, said Ajita, the rivers of desire are running. How can we dam them, and what will hold them back? What can we use to close the floodgates? Any river can be stopped with the dam of mindfulness, said the Buddha. I call it the flood stopper. And with wisdom, you can close the floodgates. Sir, said Ajita, 
where there is wisdom and mindfulness, there is also the hybrid of mind and matter, the generation of individuality. What brings it all to a halt? This is the answer to your question, Ajita, said the Master. Individuality can be brought to a total end by the cessation of consciousness. Sir, said Ajita, there are people here who have mastered all the teachings, and there are students and apprentices, and ordinary people too. Tell me how these people should live and work. Let them be like a wanderer, a monk, said the Buddha. Mindful and skillful in every way, they should free themselves from the pleasure-hunger and make their minds calm and undisturbed. Then the Brahmin student Tissamitea asked, asked the master some questions. Who in the world is happy? he asked. Is there anyone who isn't full of agitation? Is there anyone who can understand the alternatives without getting stuck in his thinking between them? And who would you say deserved the title, super-being? Who is there who isn't caught up in the patchwork world of greed? There is a person who is not full of agitation, answered the Buddha. It is the monk, the person whose actions in a sensuous world are pure and good. He does not have the thirst for craving, he never loses mindfulness, and he has, by his own decision, become extinguished, calm. They understand the alternatives without being stuck in the thinking between them. This is whom I would call a super-being, a person beyond patchwork, the patchwork world of greed. The Brahmin student, Punnaka, was the next to speak. I have come, he said, to ask a question of the one without desire, the one with root-depth vision. It is this, Master, that I would like you to explain. Why is it that the wise men in the world, the Brahmins, the rulers and others, have always offered sacrifices to the gods? These people, said the Buddha, were always making offerings to the gods, because as they grew older, they wanted to preserve their lives as they were. But Master, said Punika, did they ever get beyond old age and birth by making all these careful offerings? Their prayers, said the Buddha, their praises, their offerings and aspirations were all made on a basis of possession, of reward. They longed for sensual pleasure. These people, these experts in offering, were delighting in the passion for becoming. These people could not get beyond being getting old and being born. You must explain this to me, Master, said Punaka. If all the offerings of the experts couldn't get them beyond ageing and birth, then who of all people, who of all the gods, has ever managed to go beyond? When a person has assessed the world from top to bottom, the master said, when there is nothing in the world that raises a flicker of agitation, then that person has become one free from the smoke fumes, the tremblings and the hunger of desire. They have become calm. They have gone beyond getting old, gone beyond being born.
Then the Brahmin student Metagu asked his question. Master, he said, you are clearly a mind of full development and a master of knowledge. Where on earth do all the different kinds of suffering come from? This is a question, said the Master, about the birth and growth of suffering. I will answer it in the way that I myself have found it, which is this. All the different forms of suffering develop from the basic clinging. When a person does not realize this, they make the basic attachment, and the sluggish mind will undergo suffering. When a person realizes this, they should not make the basic attachment, seeing where suffering starts and grows. That clearly answers what I asked, sir, said Metagu. Please answer this one too for me, because of your certain knowledge. How do wise people cross the ocean? How can they get beyond the aging process? How can they get beyond birth, or sadness, or sorrow? The master replied, I will explain to you the truth, not based on hearsay. First, realize that this way is one which can be known here and now, as a result of which a mindfully living person releases his hold on the world. Master teacher, Metagu said, For me there can only be joy and delight to hear you talk about a supreme way, which, when a mindfully living person knows it, releases his hold on the world. The Master continued, In every direction there are things you know and recognize, above, below, around and within. Leave them. Do not look to them for rest or relief. Do not let consciousness dwell on the products of existence, on things that come and go. This is how the wandering monk lives. He goes from place to place, mindful and resolute. He does without cherished objects and comes to understand the world. So he leaves ageing and birth behind. He leaves sadness and sorrow behind. He lets go of suffering here itself. These great words of wisdom are full of joy for me, said Metagu. Gotama's description of non-attachment is perfect. This master clearly has let go of suffering. He has found and understood just as it is the way things work. The people whom you, wisdom master, regularly teach will certainly lose suffering. As for me, I have come here to honour you, to bow down before you, a hero. I ask you, Master, to give me frequent teachings. The Master answered, When you are aware that a man is a Brahmin, a man of knowledge, a person with nothing, a creature with no ties to being or to pleasure, then, Metagu, you have found an ocean cross crosser, a traveller beyond the deserts and doubts, a voyager who has reached the other shore. This is a knower, a master of knowledge, a hero who has dissipated the pull of constant becoming, the man who has lost the clinging, the trembling and the hunger of desire. This, I would say, is a man who has gone beyond getting old. He has gone beyond being born.
The Brahmin student Dotaka was the next to speak. Master, he said, I so much want to hear you speak. Please, Master Teacher, explain to me. Can a student of your teachings find the calm of cessation, Nibbana, for himself? Any student of my teaching, said the Buddha, who is eager, intelligent and aware, here and now, can find the calm of cessation for himself. I can see now, said Dotaka, that there is in this world a man who has nothing, a Brahmin, a wanderer. I bow down and honour you, sir, the eye that sees everything. Please, man of Sakya, free me from confusion. It is not in my practice to free anyone from confusion, said the Buddha. When you have understood the most valuable teachings, then you yourself will cross this ocean. Have pity on me, Brahmin, sir, said Dotika. Please teach me the way of detachment, so that I can know it as it is, so that I can live in this life in the peace and independence that is free as the air in space. I will explain that peace which is not based on hearsay and is attainable here and now. It is a peace which, when a mindful person understands it, releases his hold on the world. Master teacher, said Dodeka, it can only bring me joy to hear about an ultimate peace which, when a mindful person understands it, releases their hold on the world. In every direction, said the Buddha, Above, below, around and within, there are things you know and recognize. When you realize that these are the things which tie you to the world, then you can lose the thirst of craving, the desire for constant becomings. Then the Brahmin student Upasiva asked a question. Man of Sakya, he said, it is not possible for me to cross the massive ocean alone and without help. You are the eye that sees everything. Please tell me what I can use to help me across the ocean. The master told Upasiva, Use these two things to help you cross the ocean. The perception of nothingness and the awareness there is nothing. Give up sense pleasures and be free from doubts so you will, you will begin to see and to long for an, an end to craving. Master, said Upasiva, when a man is free from attachment to all pleasures and depends on nothingness and everything else he lets go, he is freed in the supreme freedom from perception. But will he permanently be there and not return again? When a man is free, said the Buddha, from all sense pleasures and depends on nothingness, he is free in the supreme freedom from perception. He will stay there and not return again. Master, you have the eye that sees everything, said Upasiva. If this man stays many years in this state without returning, will he be cooled and freed there itself, save with whether consciousness will still exist for some, such a person. It is like a flame struck out by a sudden gust of wind, said the Buddha. In a flash it has gone out, and nothing more can be known about it. 
It is the same with a wise person, freed from mental existence. In a flash they have gone out, and nothing more can be known about them. Please explain this clearly to me, sir, said, said Upasiva. You, a wise man, know precisely the way these things work. Has the person disappeared? Do they simply not exist? Or are they in some state of perpetual well-being? When a person has gone out, then there is nothing by which you can measure them. That by which they can be talked about is no longer there for them. You cannot say that they do not exist. When all ways of being, all phenomena are removed, then all ways of description have also been removed. The next of the Brahmin students to speak, to speak was Nanda, and this is what he asked the Buddha. Many people, he said, talk of wise men, who they say are living in the world. What do you think about this? When they call someone wise, are they talking about his knowledge or about the way he lives? To the experts, said the master, the word wise has nothing to do with the way a person sees things or with what he has been taught or with what he understands. To me, Nanda, a wise person is one who has, has disarmed. They live in seclusion, without the tremble, or the hunger of desire. Then, Master, said Nanda, there is another question I must ask you. All religious teachers and Brahmins have talked about the way to be pure. Some have said that purity com comes from world views and from teachings. Some have said it comes from good deeds and religious rituals. Others have said it comes from other things. What would you say, sir? that these people living in this world who've taught these things have got... Oh, sorry, beg your pardon. Would you say, sir, that these people living in this world who've taught these things have gone beyond birth and ageing? I would say this about religious leaders who teach that views and teachings or deeds and rituals or anything else will make you pure. I would say that these people living in this world have not gone beyond birth and ageing. But Master, said Nanda, these people who teach that purity comes from views and teachings or deeds and rituals and other things, these people are religious leaders. And you say they are not ocean crossers? I must ask you another question, sir. Can you, a wise man, say who in the world has gone beyond birth and ageing? I do not say that all religious teachers and Brahmins are wrapped in the shroud of birth and ageing, said the Buddha. There are some who have let go of world views, of teaching traditions, of thoughts. They have let go of religious practices and rituals. They have left all the different forms behind, and they have a total understanding of attachments. For them there are no more inner poison drives. These truly are the ocean crossers. How perfect is the wisdom master's explanation of non-attachment, said Nanda. It fills me with joy to hear it, and to hear that there are people who have let go of views, of traditions, of thoughts, of religious practices and rituals, and of all the different forms. And these people have a total understanding of attachment. They have lost the inner poison drives.
These are the people whom I too will call the Ocean Crosses. Hamaker was the next to speak. Before Gotama began to teach, he said, all the teachings I had heard had only said, this is how things used to be, and this is how they're going to be. Everything was based on tradition and hearsay, which just increased my doubts. So please now, Wisdom Master, explain to me the way you teach to put an end to craving. Explain to me the way you teach, which, when a mindful living person knows it, releases his hold on the world. The removal of desire and passion for pleasant things, seen, heard or cognized, is the sure path for the realization of Nibbana. Understanding this, those who are mindful have attained this tranquility of complete Nibbana in this immediate life. They are calmed forever. They have crossed the attachment in this world. The Brahmin student Todea spoke next. What, sir, is the nature of freedom? He questioned the master. When one has no more desire for pleasure, goes beyond doubt and lives without craving. A person who has no desires, said the Buddha, who has gone beyond doubt and who lives without craving, has indeed found the final freedom. For him there is nothing more to be freed. All-seeing Sakyan, said Todea, please explain one other thing to me. I want to know how to recognize a wise person when I see them. Does a wise person still have any desires, or are they completely wishless? Do they still need to learn, or is their wisdom complete? A wise person, Todea, said the Buddha, does not have desires, nor do they need to learn. They are wishless, they have wisdom, and you could recognize them because they are a person of nothing. They are not hanging on to pleasure or to being. Next was the Brahmin student Kappa. Sir, he said, there are people stuck midstream in the terror and the fear of the rush of the river of being, and death and decay overwhelm them. For their sakes, sir, Tell me where to find an island. Tell me where there is solid ground beyond the reach of all this pain. Kappa, said the master, for the sake of those people stuck in the middle of the river of being, overwhelmed by death and decay, I will tell you where to find solid ground. There is an island, an island which you cannot go beyond. It is a place of nothingness, a place of non-possession and of non-attachment. It is the total end of death and decay, and this is why I call it Nibbana, the extinguished, the cool. There are people who, in mindfulness, have realized this and are completely cooled here and now. They do not become slaves working for Mara, for death. They cannot fall into his power. Then the Brahmin student Chatukani spoke. I had heard, he said, that there was an ocean crosser 
a hero desiring the desireless, and so I have come to ask this question of this man without desire. Tell me this, I of instant seeing, what is the state of peace? Please explain it to me as it really is. You, master, rule desire and pleasure like the sun with heat and light, rules and controls the earth. I have only little understanding, sir, and you are a globe full of wisdom. Tell me how to find and know the way of giving up this world of births and agings. The Buddha replied to Jatakani, Lose the greed for pleasure. See how letting go of the world is peacefulness. There is nothing that you need hold on to, and there is nothing that you need push away. Dry up the remains of your past and have nothing for your future. If you do not cling to the present, then you can go from place to place in peace. There is a greed that fixes on the individual body-mind. When that greed has completely gone, then, Brahmin, there will be no more inner poison drives, without which you are immune from death. The student Brahmin, Badruwuda, spoke next. I have come, he said, to ask a question, thirst-breaker, wishless, free and wise, beyond time and home, life and pleasure. Please, ocean-crosser, for all the different people here who have come from different places to listen to your words, tell us about the way you have found and known. The master replied, There is, in taking things, a thirst, a clinging, a grasping. You must lose it. You must lose it altogether, above, below, around and within. It makes no difference what it is you are grasping at. When a person grasps, Mara stands beside them. Therefore the monks, realizing this, should not grasp at anything, being mindful. They should see the beings that are creatures of attachment as tied to the power of death. Then the Brahmin student Udaya spoke. Gone beyond in every way, he said, the ultimate in everything. When he sits in meditation, there is no poison to infect him, no dust speck to impede him. He has done what has to be done. This is the man I have come to with my question. And this, sir, is it. Can you tell me about the knowledge that frees? Can you tell me how to remove ignorance? The removal of both the intense desire for sensuous things, said the Buddha, and the grief, the rejection of laziness, and the resistance to worry. The purity of perfect balanced mindfulness, built on a basis of seeing the way things are, this is liberation knowledge, and this is the destruction of ignorance. Udaya asked another question. What binds and ties down the world? What causes the wandering? What is it that you abandon in order to find Nibbana? That which ties you down, said the Buddha, is the desire for pleasure. The wandering is applied thought and the way to Nibbāna is to abandon the thirst of desire.
I have come with these questions, Master, and I hope you will answer one more, said Udaya. How does the mindful wanderer bring his mind flow to an end? The Master replied, The sensations that he feels from the inside have no more fascination for him, and the sensations that he feels from the outside no longer fascinate. The wanderer is mindful and brings his mind flow to an end. Then the student Posala got up to speak. In everything, he said to the master, you have reached perfection. There is not a movement of desire nor a remnant of doubt left in you. And so I have come to ask you, who can explain what has happened in the past, to ask this question. I want to ask you, Manasakya, about knowledge. If a man is no longer confined to seeing forms, if he has discarded materialistic limitations and sees that there is neither inner nor outer substance to things, is there then anything more for him to know? To the Tathagata, the man thus come, replied the Buddha, all the aspects and stages of mind are clear. And so, when a person who has set his sights on freedom reaches his goal, the Tathagata knows what stage he has reached. When he has realized that the binding power of pleasure is rooted in nothingness, then he has come to a clear understanding of this process. This knowledge he, the completely accomplished, Bra accomplished Brahmin, has achieved completely. Next to speak was the Brahmin student Mogaraja. Man of Sakya, he said, I have asked about this twice before without receiving an answer from the wisdom I. But I have heard that if a wisdom God is asked a third time, then he will give an answer. I do not know, famous Gotama, what attitude you take towards this world and towards the other world, the world of Brahma and the gods. So, because of your insight into excellence, I have come to ask you about this. What is the best way for a person to regard the world, so that the king of death won't see him? The master replied, If you are always aware, Mogaraja, you will look at the world and see its emptiness. If you give up looking at yourself as a soul, as a fixed and special identity, then you will have given yourself a way to go beyond death. Look at the world like this, and the king of death will not see you. Then the Brahmin Pingya spoke. I am old and decaying. My body is weak and my skin is pale. I can hardly see, and I only hear with difficulty. Don't let me die while I am still in confusion, but teach me about the way things are, so that I shall know how to leave birth and ageing behind me. Look, replied the Buddha, look how many people are tormented by pain. Look how careless they are and how greatly they suffer because of body and forms. If you do not want to go on and on becoming Pingya, you must let go of the body and of forms. In all the ten directions, said Pingya, above, below, and in every quarter of the compass, there is not a thing that you have not heard, seen, known or understood. 
teach me about the way things are, so that I shall know how to leave birth and ageing behind me. Can you see, replied the Buddha, how people are oppressed by desire? Can you see how they are racked and worn by ageing? If you do not want to go on and on becoming Pingya, you must let go of craving. This is what the Master said when the sixteen Brahmins came to the rock temple in Magadha to ask him to answer their questions. If you know what each question means, see what each question implies, and live in accordance with the way things are, then you will go beyond. You will cross the ocean of death and ageing and reach the other shore. These things lead to that other shore. That is why this teaching is called Parayana, the way to the beyond. There were sixteen of them who came to see the Buddha that time. There was a Jitta, Tissametea, Purnaka, Metagu, Dotaka, Upasiva, Nanda and Hemaka, Todeya, Kappa, Jatukani, the scholar, Badravuda, Udaya, Posala, Mogaraja, the learned, and the great Pingya, the wise. These were the men who came to see the Buddha, the man of perfect action. They came to the Buddha to put their complex questions to this paragon of understanding. The Buddha answered the questions with the exactness of truth, just as things are. The Brahmins were pleased to hear the words of this wise man, and so filled with the pleasure of by the clear-sighted vision of this kinsman of the sun, they settled down to a life of purity and goodness, spent in the shelter of the precious wisdom of the Buddha. Anyone whose life accords with what the Buddha taught in these answers goes across the ocean from here to the beyond, from this shore to the other. This is crossing the ocean. This is travelling on the highest path. This is a path that leads to that other shore. That is why it is called Parayana, the way to the beyond. Pingya's praises of the way to the beyond. I will sing you the praises of the way to the beyond, said Pingya, when he returned to where the Brahmin Bhavari lives on the banks of the river Godavari. It was described to us by this man exactly as he saw it. But then there isn't any reason why a man like him should lie, a mammoth of knowledge and completely pure a man without desire. When a voice has none of the glibness of pride and none of the ingrained stains of ignorance, then its words are full of sweetness and beauty. It is such words that I praise now. They call him Buddha, enlightened, awake, dissolving darkness with total vision, and knowing the world to its ends, he has gone beyond all the states of being and of becoming. He has no inner poison drives, he is the total elimination of suffering. This man, Brahmin Bhavari, is the man I follow. It is like a bird that leaves the bushes of the scrubland and flies to the fruit trees of the forest. I too have left the bleary half-light of opinions. Like a swan, I have reached a great lake. Up till now, before I heard Gotama's teachings, people had always told me this. This is how it has always been, and this is how it always will be. Only the constant refrain of tradition, a breeding ground for speculation. This prince, this beam of light, Gotama, was the only one who dissolved the darkness. 
This man, Gotama, is a universe of wisdom and a world of understanding. A teacher whose Dhamma is the way things are, instant, immediate and visible all around, eroding desire without harmful side effects, with nothing else quite like it anywhere in the world. But Pingya, said Bhavari, why then don't you spend all your time, your every moment, with this man Gotama, this universe of wisdom, this world of understanding, this teacher whose Dhamma is the way things are, instant, immediate and visible all around, eroding desire without harmful side effects, and with nothing else quite like it anywhere in the world. Brahmin, sir, said Pingya, there is no moment for me, however small, that is spent away from Gotama, from this universe of wisdom, this world of understanding, this teaching whose teachings is the way things are, instant, immediate, and visible all around, eroding desire without harmful side effects, with nothing else quite like it anywhere in the world. You see, sir, said Pingya, with constant and careful vigilance, it is possible for me to see him with my mind as clearly as with my eyes, in night as well as day. And since I spend my nights revering him, there is not to my mind a single moment spent away from him. I cannot now move away from the teaching of Gotama. The powers of confidence and joy, of intellect and awareness, hold me there. Whichever way this universe of wisdom goes, it draws me with it. Physically, I cannot move like that. My body is decaying. I am old and weak. But the driving power of purposeful thought propels me with it without a break. There was a time when, writhing in the mud of the swamps, I could only drift from one stone to the next. But then I saw the Sambuddha, fully awake and free from defilement. Then the Buddha spoke. Pingya, he said. Other people have freed themselves by the power of confidence. Vakali, Badravuda and Alavi Gotama have all done this. You too should let that strength release you. You too will go to the further shore, beyond the draw of death. These words, said Pingya, are the words of a man of wisdom. As I hear them I become more confident. This man is Sambuddha. He has opened the curtains and woken up. There is nothing barren there. His mind is clear and luminous. Everything accessible to knowledge is known to him, even the ultimate subtleties of godhood. There are no more questions for the doubtful who come to him. The teacher has answered them all. Yes, I shall go there. I shall go beyond change. I shall go beyond formations. I shall go beyond comparison. There are no more doubts. You may consider this as mind released. <laughs>